0: God is above all. No one above him, no one over him. He's over all things. He is through all. And this made me think of Paul when he was talking on Mars Hill in Athens. And he said in Acts 17, 28, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. No matter who's alive on this earth, he is through all. God is alive and through people whether they recognize him or not he's given them life
1: Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: We're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're just looking at six verses, and we have the really a how-to portion of verses 1 through 3, and then verses 4 through 6, we find perhaps one of the earlier creeds of the New Testament church or a formation of a creed. and Maybe it wasn't officially a creed, but there is something here that speaks about the unity of the body of Christ, but that unity being with the Spirit, with the Lord, and with God the Father. And again, the next in verse 3 ties back to verse 2 because it's saying, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace so we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit it's a greek word that means to use speed or to make an effort it's an idea of being diligent that you're actually working at this to keep the unity of the spirit now listen there is unity in the spirit because of the holy spirit there's unity in the church but we necessarily aren't always keeping the unity of the spirit are we in fact, one of the problems with the church at large today is that so often within the church walls, there's so much disunity that the first Baptist church becomes the first and second Baptist church. And then, you know, the first Baptist church and the second Baptist church are there in the town and, and I don't know which church gets mad at who, or but then there's suddenly a third Baptist church or the First Presbyterian Church and the Second Presbyterian Church, and and we keep subdividing and figuring that eventually we'll get it right. If we can get this one group off, if it was only us, then we could worship Christ as we're supposed to. Eventually that gets into really cult-like mannerisms, and it gets very dangerous. That we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the church. You know, I'll be honest with you, when Lily asked that if the youth group could go serve at St. Bede's, the homeless, last month. They went and and we fed something like, I don't know, it was 175 people, the church providing the meal. We didn't cook it, but we hired somebody to cook it. But the youth and some adults went to serve. And I'll be honest with you, I was thinking, but it's a Catholic church. We don't do that, do we? But you know what? This church has invested in a kitchen that they're able to do this for the community. And we don't have a kitchen that would allow us to do that. We were at a Love Inc. fundraiser gala a couple of weeks ago on Friday night. They had a a story of a man that he had written it out, and one of the worship leaders read it for us. A story of a man who, he was the guy being left by the wife with the children and They had decided early on that she had a better job. She made more money. He would stay home and be with the kids, and he would be the Mr. Mom in that sense. And then she decided after, I think, at least three children, maybe four, but at least three, if I remember correctly, that she decided, I'm done with this, and she left. And and he was stuck without anything, without a job, but with the children. And so they told his story and later I was talking to the executive director Spark of Love Inc, his nickname Spark, and you guys know him, but I was talking to Spark. He said there's at least 15 churches that have helped this man out in one way or another, 15 churches coming together, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. You know, if we would do that in our churches today, I know we worship differently. Not everyone. And I think God has made us diverse in this way that his church is very diverse and that some people when they worship, they like to jump up and down. And some people like to just sit quietly. And usually what happens is the people who like to jump up and down end up in a church where everyone jumps up and down. And those who like to sit quietly, some might think near death, they end up in a church that is quite like that but we're still worshiping the same Lord, same God, same Savior. We're to endeavor to keep the unity of peace in the bonds of peace. As we get into verses 4 through 6, there is this, perhaps as I said earlier, it's an early Christian creed that was given forth or maybe a formation of it, but there are seven things that are listed here that we are in the seven are one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. Now, there's something as we notice as we go through here, and I'll read the verses for you in a moment. But in each of these verses, one of the persons of the triunity of the Godhead is represented here. In the first verse 4, it's the Holy Spirit that we see. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope, Of your calling. In verse 5, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that is highlighted. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. In verse 6, it's God the Father highlighted. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we have this creed. It'd be great to really get to know this and to remind ourselves of it that we are one in the body of Christ, there is one body. Now in the book of Ephesians, he's been building up on this theme of oneness because there was the Jews who were the early believers and then the Gentiles started to get saved and some of the Jewish believers were saying, that's cool, but they need to become like us to truly be saved. And we have a lot of this, that's cool, but they need to be like us if they're really Christians going on. We're not endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bonds of peace, but we usually end up just bickering among ourselves as believers from different denominations or even from the same denomination. And Calvary Chapel is not immune to that bickering. I'm saying Calvary Chapel at large. Maybe at small, at Lake Villa too. We're not immune to it here. But we're to be one body. For them, it was the Jews and the Gentiles are one in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He said this back in chapter 2. In verse 14, 15, and 16, Paul wrote, "...for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances." So to create himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the Christ, thereby putting to death the enmity. And so when we're all standing before the Lord in heaven one day, there'll be folks from Calvary Chapel, there'll be folks from the Catholic churches, there'll be folks from the Baptist, Methodists, Presbyterians, and a great number of other ones that I could possibly name and we may not agree with all the methods of worship that they have but within all those churches I still feel that there are true believers who have faith in Jesus Christ leadership can be way off base but it doesn't mean the faith of a believer is not true all you need to do as an individual is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Bible tells us that you are saved whether your church leaders are messed up or not Maybe your leaders won't be in heaven. Hopefully, I'll be there with you. According to the Word of God, I will. But within all these variety of denominations and churches that we have today, you know what? There's also going to be some political persuasions. We'll be conservatives next to liberals. I can't believe it. Is it possible to be a Christian and to be a liberal at the same time? You know, from... A conservative perspective, we might say no, impossibility. But, you know, there'll be Democrats, Republicans, but we are one in the body of Christ. Our color of skin won't matter. And it shouldn't matter. We are one body. Wherever we're at, we're one body in Christ Jesus. We're also, there is one spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit of God. There's not many spirits. You can't have a different spirit. your own spirit, sure. You know, we each have our own inner spirit in the sense, and I'm not trying to get new agey on you, but the Bible teaches about body, soul, and mind. It teaches about the spirit, soul, and mind, that there's this trichotomy of our makeup, that just like there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is body, soul, and spirit. We are a trichotomy of makeup. We have a physical body, but we also have a soul and a spirit. And so we worship one spirit, the Holy Spirit. According to the word of God, there is but one spirit. Jesus talked about the power of this Holy Spirit in the gospel of John. He talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the things that he will do for us. In John 14, 26, he says he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance those things which I said to you. So when you're out witnessing with someone and, and suddenly you're in this situation, you didn't even expect to be there, but you walk away from the situation thinking, I can't believe the scripture that was coming out of my mouth. I didn't even know I knew that verse. Well, that's the Holy Spirit operating in your life. John fifteen twenty six, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he said there, he will testify of me. In John 16, 13, he will guide you to all truth. He will glorify me. The ministry of the Holy Spirit to lift up Jesus Christ. But he works with us. There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called in one hope. Now, this idea of one hope, I was thinking of, there's a lot of different people, nationalities, there's Jews, there's Gentiles. But we're all called, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, we're called in this one hope the one hope of our calling. It's not a different hope for each different nationality. It's not a different hope for each different church. There is simply one hope. That one hope is Jesus Christ. In Romans 8.24, it says that we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? So we're saved in this hope. It's not that Remember the uh, 1 Corinthians 13 passage where it says, these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love? Because one day we have faith in Jesus Christ that we'll be with him, that we're saved. We have hope that we'll be in heaven. But one day we will stand in heaven. We won't need faith any longer because we'll be there. We won't need hope. I hope I go to heaven one day. Well, if you're in heaven... Hope fades away, right? It's gone, but love always stays. We've been saved in this hope, according to Romans 8.24. It is a blessed hope, according to Titus 2.13. This hope speaks of eternal life, according to Titus 1.12. It is the anchor of our soul, according to Hebrews 6.19. And it is a living hope, according to 1 Peter 1, three. May I ask you, do you have this hope in Jesus Christ today? There's also one Lord, and that Lord is Jesus Christ. And 1 Corinthians 8, 6, it says, Yet for there is one God, one Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. There's one Lord. His name is Jesus. Not many lords. You know, one of the problems, and I don't know where you're at, politically but you know with the Republicans and you could be voting Democratic next time for president but there's the all the Republicans kinda you know it's I know it's over a year away and they're still rallying takes about two years to elect a president these days or two and a half or three years. I think the sitting president begins thinking about his next term as soon as he sits in office. Every decision is like is this gonna keep me out of office for the next term or keep me in. The Republicans, you know Several of them have gathered together. One is a Mormon. And he is trying to say that we're Christian just like you. That's what the Mormon church teaches on the outside today. But do you know that they teach that one day they can become a God like Jesus? That Jesus is the Son of God for this earth. One day if we do everything right, we will rule on our own planet And we can be God like Jesus. I don't know if they're looking forward to being crucified like Jesus was. If that's part of their plan, they're probably not thinking about that side of it. But we can be Savior like our Lord. But there is one Lord. There's not a a variety of different Lords. There's not several Lords that get us to God. There is one Lord. His name is Jesus Christ. There is one faith. These are all, I mean, it's just so clear when you look into the Word of God. What happens is we stop looking to the Word of God and we start listening to others. And today, people are listening to others. It's not politically correct to say that there is just one way to heaven. That's not right. How can you say that my way isn't the way? And according to the Word of God, there is just one way to heaven. So either I deny God's Word or I listen to man. I'm going to choose to listen to God's word over man. And it's going to get me in trouble. It has gotten me in trouble. But I fear that it's going to get worse for the churches here in the United States. If we choose to stand upon the word of God, whether you're a preacher or a member of that fellowship, if you choose to align yourself according to God's word, it's going to get us in trouble. But it's a good trouble to get into. We may not think so when we're in the middle of the trouble, but when the Lord one day says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with these little things. And he rewards us there in heaven. Enter into my kingdom. One Lord, one faith. Speaking about this unity of faith in Ephesians 4.13, just a few verses down, it says, Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That that we are, and it's talking about there the equipping of the church, that the Lord in verse 12, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come to the unity of faith. That there is one faith and there's unity in that faith. And I think we have forgotten that in our churches today. There's also one baptism. Now, this one gets a little difficult because for the believer, as we go through Scripture, there's three baptisms. One we call is believer's baptism. That's when we dunk you under the water. If you look mean toward me, maybe I'll hold you under the water for a little while. But it's when we put you under the water for a bit and. You know, it's it's an outward expression of the work that Jesus Christ has already done in your heart. It doesn't save you, but it is a mark of salvation. When we go down to the, uh, the lake there and baptize, I was just talking to one of the employees of one of the businesses around here, and and she listens to our radio station, never has been in our church. But she asked about baptism. I told her how... We do our baptism where and when, and and she was very curious about it. And she said, maybe I'll come next year. Okay, but come to church, you know, and, and meet us here. But there is believer's baptism. Then there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember when John the Baptist came baptizing? That is called a baptism of repentance. It's not salvation because Christ hadn't died on the cross yet. So it's a baptism of repentance looking forward to the work of Jesus Christ. But John said, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to unlace. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit, number two. Number three, and I believe because of the, where this is in context of the passage, that it's connected with one Lord, one baptism, I believe that this may be referring to what, which is found in Galatians, the baptism of Christ. For in Galatians, it tells us that we have all been baptized in Christ Jesus, that there's a connection with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Galatians 3, 27, so as many of you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. That as a believer, there is this baptismo in the Greek it means to fully submerge you have been submerged in Christ Jesus so whether he's referring to the water, to the baptism of Christ or the Holy Spirit, for us there's one baptism, they all are connecting back they're all connecting back to God and then finally verse 6 there's one God he is the father of all he is above all he is through all and he is in you all. There's one God. So we have in this portion of Scripture, these three verses, the triunity of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But they're, they're layered backwards than we normally say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he, Paul has written it out to where it's the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Son, Jesus Christ, and then God the Father. So he's pointing us to God the Father. When we worship, I said there's this trichotomy of our makeup, body, soul, and spirit, and I say it that way because I believe that we are flesh, we are body, but that we each have a living soul within us and that we have a spirit. And looking heavenward, we then, our spirit connecting to God's spirit, which connects us to the Lord Jesus Christ, which connects us to God the Father. So from lower level to upper level, It's body of man, soul of man, spirit of man, connecting to the Spirit of God, to the Son of God, to God the Father who is over all. And so there is this upward progression in this passage that we worship a unity of the Godhead. And in the progression of this passage is Spirit, Son, and Father. He is one God. He is Father of all, meaning He is the Father of all creation. Everyone who lives on this earth lives because God has created them. He is above all. There's no one over him. Even though Satan attempted to exalt himself above the throne of God in Isaiah 14, we read about that. We also read in um, Ezekiel 28 about that attempt. God is above all. No one above him, no one over him. He's over all things. He is through all. And this made me think of Paul when he was talking to the believers on Mars hill in Athens and he said in Acts 17 28 for in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own poets have said for we are his offspring no matter who's alive on this earth he is through all God is alive and through people whether they recognize him or not he's given them life he has given them their first breath and he'll be the one who takes their last breath from them God is through all but as believers, he is in you all. As he closes out this passage, this is only for believers. This was the desire of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God the Father would be in us. We get this great trichotomy. I don't even know if that's a true word, but I'll keep using it. Makeup of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit being in us, being with us. Jesus praying in John fourteen twenty three as he's teaching... There to his disciples, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus said, We'll come to you and make our home in you. He is in you all. Let's review them again, and then we'll close and pray. There's one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And Father, it is my prayer that that is true for each of us, that you are in us all, that you have made your dwelling, your home in our hearts. And Lord, that we know your presence. And Lord, that we would live in such a way as Paul has encouraged us here today to walk worthy of the calling, that we would walk in lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, that we would bear with one another in love, and that we would, Lord, endeavor to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bonds of peace. Father, it's my prayer for this church today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ.